Welcome to Molecular Diagnostics, an eye toward the future, a special edition podcast series produced by the Scientist Creative Services team. This series is brought to you by Thermo Fisher Scientific, a world leader in serving science. Their mission is to enable customers to make the world healthier, cleaner, and safer. Whether their customers are accelerating life sciences research, solving complex analytical challenges, and improving clinical research workflows, Thermo Fisher Scientific is here to support them. Scientists continuously develop new assays to fill unmet diagnostic needs. While methods such as quantitative PCR have emerged as essential tools in molecular diagnostics, scientists developing and administrating these assays still must overcome technical challenges. In this podcast series, the Scientist Creative Services team talks to experts about their experiences designing and implementing assays and protocols for future molecular diagnostics. In this episode, Deanna McNeil from the Scientist Creative Services team spoke with Ming Sound Tsao, a senior scientist and clinician at Princess Margaret Cancer Center, about considerations and variables for choosing appropriate assays in precision lung cancer treatment, including biomarkers, internal controls, test sensitivity, and specificity. Hi, Dr. Chow. Thanks for joining me today. Can you tell me a bit about your current role? I am a consultant at thoracic pathologist. I'm also professor of laboratory medicine and pathobiology. The Department of Pathology Laboratory Medicine program serves for any kind of laboratory testing, and molecular testing is one of them. That includes molecular testing for biomarkers in cancer uh, selection of patients for specific cancer treatment, basically. I'm excited to learn about molecular testing for biomarkers in cancer and how in-house tests can be used to select patients for targeted lung cancer therapies. Can you tell me a bit more about the current pathology standard for non-small cell lung cancer and the significance of anaplastic lymphoma kinase, ALK, and epidermal growth factor receptor, EGFR, mutations? Nowadays, lung cancer treatment is based on biomarker testing because many of lung cancers have driver mutations. These genetic abnormalities that driver malignancy over the years, drug has been developed that target these aberrant driver proteins, for example, epidermal growth factor receptor, EGFR, targeted therapy turns out to be very effective when the tumor have these aberrations. In terms of EGFR, it is mutations involving so sequences in exon 18 to 21. In terms of op, it involves fusions of another protein that result in a hemeric protein that constitutively activate the kinase. There are varieties of variants of this, but all of them basically lead to the constitutive activation of the ALK kinase. If the tumor expresses this fusion, protein kinase, then the tumor cells are dependent on the activity of this kinase. So if you have a very specific inhibitors, then tumor cells can be killed. There are about eight or nine markers, actually genes approved for targeting those genetic abnormalities. Clinical trials have demonstrated that if you have those genes with the abnormalities, 
that the inhibitor is uh, much more effective than if you treat them with standard chemotherapy. That's why they are the main drugs to, to treat the patients. Biomarker testing for these aberrations actually is mandatory nowadays for personalizing treatment in lung cancer. There are several ways to test the, the presence of the ARP gene abnormality, including detecting the fusion protein or the gene rearrangement. Choosing the right test for the job can be a daunting task. What are some of the factors that researchers need to consider when deciding which assay to use for lung cancer pathology screening? There are many factors that determine which assay you use. Chronologically, the test developed first is to detect gene for gene translocations. Then it was discovered that, in fact, antibody is available to detect fusion protein resulting from this translocation. That's where immunochemistry assay was developed. Right? So it turns out this immunochemistry assay is very sensitive and specific. That was used routine assay. After that, uh, RT-PCR also can be used. You have to isolate the RNA and then do the assay using the molecular method. But in the beginning, I think there was some issue about isolating RNA from fixed paraffin embedded materials. Now you can isolate RNA from FFPE soft tissue. That's not a problem. You can isolate RNA and then do RT-PCR from FFPE. So then assay was developed to do that. I think all the good has to be determined by various factors, including the materials that's available, how much material is available, how fast you want to get it done, the cost, the source of the reimbursement of the test. In lung cancer, because you need to be comprehensive to do eight or nine markers, the testing algorithm has to be determined by many considerations. International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer just published ATLAS for molecular testing for target therapy in lung cancer. It will include comprehensive description of the test and also uh, the various target genes that need to be tested for targeted therapy. PCR-based testing is a fundamental laboratory technique, and it's useful for assessing DNA and RNA samples. Can you tell me a bit about how PCR is used to detect the fusion proteins? There are several ways to, to do this, but I think the common way is to basically use PCR to detect this fusion transcript. The new translocate or the fusions of protein, the fusions DNA or the fusions gene, the RNA actually is transcribed or copy DNA or cDNA, and then they sequence the DNA. It's basically RT-PCR, the reverse transcriptase polymerase chain reaction, what we often refer to as RT-PCR to detect this RNA transcript. In-house tests, those that are developed in the lab using commercially available reagents, play an increasingly important role in the clinical evaluation of patients for targeted cancer therapy. How do these tests differ from other commercially available assays, and are there any special considerations for developing them? In contrast with companion diagnostic assays, what's called CDX, the CDX is more like a kit including instruction how to do it, what kind of materials required, and how to interpret the results. Tests developed in individual lab. There could be variation, depending on what the protocol is. 
for example, you know, how long the antibody is incubated, what sort of uh, equipment is being used, and how long is the antigen retrieval, etc. Because of this test, will show more variations in the results when you compare from one lab to the other. That's the big issue. How do you standardize? And this is a very critical because one lab could have a different result from another lab. You have to have positive control, negative control, and then you have the negative positive control, for example, that have, for example, EGFR mutations or fusions. Specificity and sensitivity can be determined what actually would be generally acceptable, and you have to reach that level. You know, in terms of detecting the predictive biomarker because they are used for deciding whether the patient gets treatment or not, you should get high sensitivity because you don't want to miss any patient who would not get treated. It also has to be highly specific because you don't want to treat patients who actually do not have the mutations or the outfusions or expression. Those all have to be considered. That's why you need to have a set of negative and positive cases when you are trying to optimize your assay. It's quite laborious, but there are published sort of guidelines or methods out there that you can actually start out with. And then afterward, you just test your sensitivity and specificity. One of the difficulty often is that, for example, if 5% of the lung cancer has these aberrations or fusion, the recommendation is that you have 20 positive. How are you going to get your positive samples? That is a challenge. That's why in, in Canada, labs find one or two cases and contribute together. That would allow us to do standardization optimization across all the labs and we get enough positive control samples. I think this is a good strategy when you want to develop tests the positive cases, uh, especially for rare, uncommon markers, it could be challenging, but it's possible. Given the importance of validation, standardization, and quality control for clinical tests, what guardrails are in place to ensure patient safety for in-house tests? It's important that uh, there are guidelines on how you develop tests so that you can use it as a clinical test. If you want to do a clinical test, the clinical test lab should be certified for quality assurance. For research, that's a different thing. Research labs are not certified or undergo quality assurance. You really should not use those results of those tests for deciding patient treatment. For developing the test for clinical validation, uh, there is guideline put out by the College of American Pathologies. How many positive samples you require, how many negative samples you require. This is part of the validation for the test uh, sensitivity and specificity. Each lab, when they're trying to develop a clinical test, have to decide whether they want to develop or just use those sort of opinion diagnostic kits or assay that has undergone rigorous quality assurance. Even when you get the companion diagnostic, when you use it in the lab, I think once in a while you want to make sure that you get the result, what is expected. There are many factors to consider. The companion diagnostic assay is more expensive because the company has spent a lot of money to develop the kits, so cost will be higher. 
a lab developed, often people establish it because it is a lower cost and also they may not have the necessary equipment or instruments to implement the, the companion diagnostics assay. You need to, to consider which one is better to suit your situation. I think it's really important that labs should participate in quality assurance program. Each country or region may have this to test whether your test that is being used clinically meet the requirement for sensitivity and specificity. Participation in the external quality assurance program is very important. Thank you, Dr. Chow, for taking the time to speak with me today. The potential of in-house tests in precision cancer treatment and other clinical applications is vast given the well-established biomarkers and rigor of in-house test guidelines and quality assurance standards. I'm excited to see what the future holds. Thank you for listening to Molecular Diagnostics, an eye toward the future. And thanks again to Ming Sound Cao, Senior Scientist and Clinician at Princess Margaret Cancer Center. In the next episode, we'll talk about the benefits of PCR-based DNA testing for HPV screening. To keep up to date with this podcast, follow The Scientist on Facebook and Twitter, and subscribe to The Scientist Lab Talk wherever you get your podcasts.